Hey, Marissa, are you ready to crush it? We have five days left. So yeah, I'm ready to crush it. Let's crush it. Hi, I'm Devin Handy. And I'm Marissa Kavis. And welcome to Crush the Midterms, the podcast. We have five days until the midterm elections, and we're both freaking out. I- I'm not freaking out. You're freaking out. I'm definitely not freaking out. <laughs> I actually know I, I described it as being in the eye of the storm. Yes. So like, I, I kind of feel this weird calm. <laughs> yeah, all of my friends are really into scary movies and have been watching scary movies and stuff. And I'm like, I don't need to watch scary movies. I'm living in one. So <laughs> look out. Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Halloween seems so quaint. Yeah, right. <laughs> Compared to the real world. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, boo, racist foreign policy. Ah! <laughs> it's uh, like, did you hear that people's votes are being suppressed because of racist government? That's boo. terrifying. That's yeah, exactly. so scary. Yeah, who um, needs zombies? I know, before we started recording, um, we were talking about our Halloween plans. And um, I, I plan to barricade myself. In my apartment for the rest of the day. That's planned. <laughs> well, I am taking my four-year-old out trick-or-treating, and I he is going to be baby shark. I'm mommy shark, and my husband is daddy shark. Because <laughs> if you don't know, please Google baby shark. Come back, and you, you can thank me later. <laughs> do you think we should perform a little baby shark for the listeners? Okay, let's do it. Baby shark. Okay. That's all I can handle. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, I don't want to do that to them. It's mean. <laughs> and we also have like a very serious conversation coming up. I think that's uh, why we're being so silly because we spoke with Angelo Guisado, who is a lawyer at the Center for Constitutional Rights. And clearly we've been, t- it, there's been a lot in the news about constitutional rights the 14th Amendment specifically, which is about birthright citizenship. So we were so lucky to have such a smart, informed person to ask about it. And it was it was a really great conversation. It really was. And I asked him to come on like five seconds before we recorded. And he said yes, like a champ, because it couldn't be more important right now. And so many people are wondering, can the president do that? Can he just up and change the constitution? Right. And at, I mean, I know our uh, our jobs are to tie everything to the outcome of the midterms. But um, if we don't have a Congress that is willing to check his power, then I mean, Angela will probably get mad at me for saying this, but like there is a possibility he could do that because like right. who knows what he could do? It's going to be it's going to be really difficult. It seems fairly impossible at this point but a lot of things seemed impossible that were not exactly i mean who would have thought that we would have a ban on muslim people i mean that if you told me that two years ago i would well a little more than two years ago now because it's like two years from election day but if you told me that three years ago i'd have been like what does that even mean? what does that mean crazy that is nonsense Right. Right. So today's right. nonsense is tomorrow's reality. Exactly. So it was definitely a very, 
very interesting conversation with a very smart person who knows what he's talking about. And also, I think it's also an important thing. We completely threw out, we, we'd had a whole outline of what each episode's topic was going to be. And this obviously wasn't on the radar because when we started this project 12 weeks ago, we couldn't know. So we threw all of that out, which is why Angelo got a last second phone call from us. Um, but I do think this is super important because it really relates to the Republican Party's quote unquote closing argument for the midterms. As we said at the top of the show, we are five days out. This is the time when the parties are really making their final uh, argument to the American people. And the Republicans and Trump have decided that their closing argument is fear, is fear mongering, is Otherizing the problem, as Angelo puts it, and and creating a boogeyman out of immigrants and and people of color. And fully aligning with the ideals of white supremacy. Yes. Yes. And and it's especially striking in, in the aftermath of the massacre that occurred over the weekend at a synagogue in Pittsburgh. Um that it's the reactions from the right and and the way they're trying to spin that. It's just also, it's so disgusting and it just shows that no one is safe. I mean, I think a lot of people beforehand, not me because I I knew better, but would have thought that Jews were fine. No one was going to bother Jews. And then you realize that the people in Trump's faction, they do believe that Jews are responsible for I don't know, their, their lot in life, whatever that means. Right. Um, and so you're right, Devin, the, the closing pitch from the Republicans is, yeah, we're, we're really leaning into this. Right. Um, and that's, you're going to get more of this if you elect us. But um, I, I think uh, that is a good segue into our chat with Angelo. Um, so I really hope everyone sticks around for that because it is smart as hell. So today we are joined by a very special guest. It's Angelo Guisado. He's a staff attorney at the Center for Constitutional Rights, where he specializes in government misconduct, racial justice, and immigrants' rights issues. Angelo, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, so we wanted to um, invite you on to talk about um, this totally, totally normal week before the midterms that we're having. Everything's chill. Everything's fine. Um Yesterday, there was uh, some rather confusing breaking news about the idea that President Trump might try to end birthright citizenship. Um, and uh, there's all this focus on the migrant caravan that is like two months away, but is apparently an imminent threat to our safety. So um, I guess I just want to start off by saying, um, what was your initial reaction to the the Trump breaking news yesterday about birthright citizenship? Um, well, obviously, the president and his administration don't exactly have the highest regard uh, for law or the Constitution. So actually, I wasn't surprised. I think um, Secretary Clinton actually predicted this like two years ago. I think she tweeted out like Trump will try and end birthright citizenship. So Yes, yeah, I saw that tweet. That was crazy. So not surprised. Um, obviously, he's wrong, and I can go into that if you want. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to, to hear that. There, It has been very confusing, and I think when we hear something that has to do with the Constitution, a lot of people assume that it's sort of 
unable to be changed, but that's clearly not the case. So if you could kind of go over that, that would, I think that would be very helpful. Sure, sure. Um, okay, so he's getting his idea from the antebellum South. There was a decision called Dred Scott v. Sanford, and the Supreme Court decided it, I think, in the 1850s. And Dred Scott was a slave, and the issue was whether... Um, by virtue of his being born on the United States, whether that conferred citizenship on him. Of course, the court famously ruled um, that, you know, these individuals are slaves, aren't citizens, and also that they have no rights, which the right, the white man must respect. And that's one of the most infamous quotes in the Supreme Court history. Um, So Trump's taking his ideas from that issue. um, And, when the Civil War was won, uh, we enacted and put forth the 14th Amendment, which um, protects explicitly um, birthright citizenship. It says all persons being born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction are citizens of the United States. Um, this was affirmed in the 1890s in a decision called Wong Kim Ark. And then again, the principle was affirmed in the 19, 1980s in a case called Plyler v. Doe. So it's pretty uncontroversial that if you're born here, you're a citizen, with few exceptions. And and so this is enshrined in our constitution. Uh, and people, a lot of people hold up the constitution as this unchangeable document that um, it just is what it is. And we, we kind of take it as, as it is. And, and he is sort of flipping that idea on its head and saying, no, I can do whatever I want. I'm the president. So I guess my question for you is can he actually do this? No, no, obviously he can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> we like when people get animated here. Yeah, <laughs> Let <yeah>. it all out. <laughs> so he can. It would take uh, uh, the repeal of a constitutional amendment or, or another constitutional amendment on top of it. We haven't amended the Constitution in, since 1992, and that related to congressional uh, salaries, actually. So it would take two thirds of Congress to get it through. That's not going to happen. Um, so good luck. That doesn't mean that he can't issue an executive order, but um, we'd sue the ACLU'd sue everyone would sue, and then it would get overturned uh, fairly quickly. Well, he loves getting sued. It's like his favorite activity. So besides being crazy, he's got weird kinks. <laughs> got weird kinks. Being sued is one of them. So, okay, so he can't actually do this. And this is obviously so far out of the realm of what people would consider sane or normal. But but he's still saying it. And he's still kicking up a lot of dust around it. And he's still creating confusion and fear. And th- I feel like that is is more the point. And it goes to this sort of disregard of established norms and established law that that Trump is so famous for flirting with. And and racism really is a central theme to these midterm elections. So do you see the two as connected? Obviously, birthright citizenship feels closely aligned with this sort of racist, nationalist, ethnostate closing message that the Republicans have. I mean, do you do you see do you see these two as connected? Absolutely. There's a, a clear linkage between um, his disregard for uh, legal process and constitutional rights and his uh, xenophobic animus. Um, I, I think one of the bigger points I wanted to make was that uh, uh, under 
any level of scrutiny, the Republican and or conservative platform uh, sort of disintegrates, right? They're just, they're robbing people. They have really terrible tax policy, healthcare, climate, et cetera, right? So they're only left with um, pedagogy uh, into fear-mongering, polemicist uh, words. Uh, really what the point is to create a bunch of fear so that their base has someone else to blame, right? So don't look with any exacting scrutiny towards the current government, but look towards those immigrants, migrants, people of color who are the real threat. Uh, and it's been a consistent ploy in um, conservative doctrine for decades. So what I've been uh, wondering in in terms of fear mongering and creating fear in the hearts of, of racists in this country is, do you think fear is a motivating factor? Does that get people to the polls? A hundred percent, at least with um, the older generation. So it's interesting that someone did a poll uh, earlier this week, and they were examining what the top issues for voters are. And I, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but the Republican top issue was security, right? So I, I would have guessed the economy, healthcare, whatever, but security more broadly. And it's this sort of um, nebulous idea that someone's going to take away what I have. So it wasn't even, it wasn't national security. It was just the idea of general security. Yeah. Yeah, which is super interesting because Trump has taken this moment to turn attention away from actual national tragedies and national threats to security to focus on a a migrant caravan that's several months out from the border. And uh, again, this is kind of a fear ploy to get people to the polls. But does, does what he's saying about birthright citizenship and creating an executive order to override the constitution relate to the way he's talking about this migrant caravan. Do you think? I I think directly so. Right. I mean, it's hard to imagine a less dangerous group of individuals than people who've been traveling through the desert for two, three months who are by definition destitute and fleeing persecution. Right, these are the least threatening people. They need blankets and shelter and food and water. Um, and instead, he's creating them into be some sort of uh, dangerous faction. And, and it couldn't be further from the truth. And, and, and the goal is consistent with um, what he's doing with the 14th Amendment birthright citizenship. It's to stoke fear and flames within his white working class base to sort of otherize the problem. Because once that disintegrates, all that's left is his actual policy. And if anyone looks with any scrutiny, um, it's obviously really damaging. Yeah, well, it, it's it's really just total BS because he talks about the Democrats being, quote, weak on immigration. And he's this strong man on immigration. He's sending the troops to the border and he's going to protect us. And as you so rightly pointed out, they're not actually a threat but he has managed to paint them as a threat. I I read something really alarming yesterday. An MSNBC reporter is on the ground in the Dallas suburbs. And he said that he was uh, asking people, what is the most important issue to you? And they said, healthcare, which, okay, great. But then they said they're really afraid about the people coming over the border because they thought they would bring diseases. And 
I was just, I, I mean, the fact that people are buying into that really is just sort of takes it to the next level about believing that they'll believe anything that they hear. Yeah. Um, well, I have two points of that. Uh, one is if you want to look at people who are bringing diseases, then that's like the anti-vaxxers, right? So they're already here, the people who are bringing diseases, right? Everybody get your food shot. Uh, and two, you know, the, if there were about migrants bringing diseases, like the last time that happened, it was called smallpox, and we ended up calling it Columbus Day. So check your privilege, people. <laughs> Yeah. So true. I, I, yeah. It's just so it, the the way they paint. Like, there's someone said leprosy. I think on Fox News. I'm like, has I? I mean, I'm sure that's something that people still have, but like, you don't. It's not something that is like a modern concern. I don't know. It's just really <laughs> quite wild. But I think um, I'm really curious your thoughts on how Democrats can take this current narrative and flip it because it's. It's hard to say, no, just let, you know, we can't say, yeah, just let, let everyone in at the border, even if you feel that way, at the way that that could be spun improperly is just like, there's just too many possibilities. But how do you think Democrats can best convey um, the, the flip side of this narrative to voters in, in the home stretch to the midterms? Um, I'm not a political strategist by any means. But it, it becomes very clear to me that by calling it what it is, as Andrew Gillum did in Florida, um, that this racist xenophobic policy is just a cover for their lack of policy. And I think Democrats uh, or, or uh, progressives in general should pivot and say, look, like we have as a country an obligation to uphold our uh, international obligations to take in refugees. But also like this is just a bunch of nonsense uh, driven by the other party to ignore from the actual issues, right? So that the, the conservative party is robbing people blind through terrible tax policy, economic policy. By the way, the earth is literally incinerating. We should probably draft some bills that are related to climate change. And I think by pivoting and refocusing uh, on the actual issues, it'll get uh, voters out. I, I also, I have sort of a nerdy question for you since I have a constitutional lawyer on the phone. Sure. Um, and it has to do with something, Marissa, you just mentioned, Trump being strong on immigration and sending troops to the border, sending 5,200 troops to the border to harden that border against this migrant caravan. And I did a little teeny tiny bit of research into posse comitatus, which basically is the idea that you can call up arms to defend the country, but in this country, we don't allow our military to enforce domestic policy. So is Trump's sending these troops to the borders in direct violation of this principle? Probably. So posse comitatus is a pretty arcane doctrine. Um, and I don't think it's been used very uh, regularly to challenge actions, mostly because um, in the last 10 years, at least our president was saying, um, the United States can't use uh, active duty military for the purpose of, of civil law enforcement. And, and that so much is clear to the extent that the military is going to provide some sort of medical assistance, um, et cetera. I think that's legitimate. But I think, you know, what he's really using it for is to make the Border Patrol and the United States military one and the same. And that's very clearly uh, unlawful under the Posse Comitatus. Okay. It was just a question that has been burning 
in my nerdy soul. So thank you for clearing that up. We, we like to get nerdy here, get, get down yeah. into the details. Um, yeah. <laughs> before I asked you, do, do you think that fear is a motivating factor to get racist to the polls? But then thinking of the other side, do you think fear is something that will keep people away from the polls? Is it uh, if you are, if your status is a little, um, I mean, even if you're just an immigrant, do you, do you think that you are feeling more or less motivated to vote right now? I guess more broadly, um, I know that this is part of the census litigation, um, that the intentions are to uh, suppress uh, immigrant activism and make people retreat to the shadows, right? So to the extent that someone isn't doesn't have status, they certainly are going to be less likely to put their name in the census. Uh, as for voting, uh, I think citizens uh, are, I guess... They're probably more likely to vote. I feel like the fear thing can work in reverse. Like fear of this migrant caravan can get people to the polls, but but fear of the fact that Trump sent troops to the border can also get people to the polls in the opposite direction. I think they have tangible effects. I think they're not as great as the effects that gerrymandering and uh, poll taxes are having, which I think is is a bigger issue. Yeah, and and that's that's the kind of crazy thing that the birthright citizenship issue and the caravan are getting the, this outsized coverage when the call is actually coming from inside the house. Um, and the gerrymandering and voter suppression and um, domestic terrorism. I was just reading the Daily Beast put out a new story today um, about how the Department of Homeland Security, which was created in the wake of 9-11 to protect against threats to the U.S., um, is basically not talking at all about white supremacy. They, it's at the bottom of the list. They don't seem concerned. They are talking about the freaking caravan. So um, that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in, in how it's going to be dealt with. But um, yeah, the, the issue of, of voter suppression, it's really at the fore in, in Georgia. And um, I, I was curious you know, if you saw the, the decision that came out of there today um, about the absentee ballots. I did. It went in our favor, right? Yes. Yes, it did. Um, that, and, and it was so remarkable because the judge said something along the lines of, I think people who are eligible to vote should be able to vote. <laughs> <laughs> Real controversial position, you know? But it's amazing because it is. <laughs> like, that in Georgia, that is a controversial position right now. I know, I know. When when I uh, I had something called a, a clerkship, and it's where uh, a young lawyer goes and works for a judge in the federal bench, and, you know, they mentor you, et cetera. And mine just so happens to be a, a famous civil rights judge, Judge Keith. And one of his most famous opinions, I think this is a first in, in the law, he literally attached 11 pages of photos of civil rights martyrs who had died for the right to vote. And he was actually in the dissent in that case. But to emphasize his point, he was like, look at all of these people who literally died fighting voter suppression. And it's crazy to me that in this white supremacist state, they're still doing it. And I think that's an issue that the voters really need to wake up and pay attention to. I think if progressives ever take back, uh, when progressives take back um, the uh, the legislature, that uh, voter protection, making uh, the 
election day, a national holiday has to be uh, at the forefront of their agenda. Absolutely. And and from your perspective, what do you think would be the important first steps for, for getting um, the, the law kind of back on, on our side and helping to, you know, besides making election day a, a national holiday, what are, do you think are some good first steps for, for fighting voter suppression? Uh, I, I think we need, need a new VRA. So in, um, Supreme Court's decision, Shelby County versus Holder, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts said that, well, you know, voter suppression isn't really a problem. We enacted this thing a long time ago. And so the Justice Department um, doesn't need uh, its pre-clearance requirement anymore. And pre-clearance, um, very briefly, is that anytime anyone wants, a state wants to change um, a measure related to voting, they have to pre-clear it with the Justice Department. Um, and ever since that was struck down, you've seen all of the southern states um, institute measures, poll taxes, uh, moving uh, actual polling places outside of town, measures of that sort. Um, and that's something that's tangible and Congress could pass fairly quickly uh, to give more teeth to it. And I think it's also a public perception issue, just getting people to understand how much of a widespread problem it is. Um, because I, I don't think that people would list it on their top 10 of concerns, right? I mean, they, even if you're liberal Democrat, you're probably not as aware of it as you should be. So it's like there needs to be this PR campaign around it almost. Uh, I totally agree. I think most voters uh, would sympathize with the fact uh, around voter ID requirements. Um, if anyone has ever had the thought to themselves, well, if I had ID, I wouldn't need ID. That that would resonate pretty clearly. Um, I think also the story out of um, North Dakota, wherein uh, the state intentionally didn't accept PO boxes as legitimate addresses when they knew that the Native American community exclusively uses PO boxes. Um, I think that would also resonate well. Well, I I think um, my I, my last question, just kind of going back to something I asked earlier. Um, about how to combat the message around um, fear and, and xenophobia as we roll into the midterms. Um, I know you said you're not a, a strategist at findings, but you know, if someone just one-to-one, if someone said to you, like, oh man, I don't know, I, I want to vote for a Democrat. I think they're good, but I'm really scared about the caravan and uh, uh, about what might happen? Like, what would you say to them? Uh, I would remind them that when their uh, forebears came to this country, um, the United States let them in and welcomed them. Um, I think that this is the exact same issue. I think we have, uh, after we fought World War II, we signed something called the Refugee Convention to protect people just like this who were fleeing persecution in their home countries. And uh, I think we should be tired of being an international embarrassment in that regard. Uh, I think that this is just fear mongering. And the message should be that these aren't the problems you should be worrying about. The problems you should be worrying about relate to your job security, whether you can pay for health, student loans, uh, whether or not we are going to have an inhabitable planet in 50 or 100 years. Those are the issues that I think people should be focusing on. Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Angelo, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us and answering my burning nerdy questions and for giving sort of a a clear 
understand, like kind of clear explanation of voter suppression and how fear mongering is part of that. So I think this is really important as we come into the last days before the midterm I can't, election. I can't believe there so, are like a little more than five days. It's so crazy. I really never thought yeah. this day would come. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, well, get out there and vote, people. Yes. Yes, yes. Go vote. Thank you so much, Angelo. We hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me anytime. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. So that I really that was such a great conversation. I feel smarter just having had it, to be perfectly honest. I feel like I can I can go now tell people things that I didn't know before. And just hearing Angelo say those things with confidence, like, no, yeah. he can't do that. That makes, right. I mean, I, I said that yesterday, but I didn't really know if that was true. Yeah, right. <laughs> or like, I didn't fully believe it, but right. I, I feel a little bit better now. And I hope uh, some of you out there do too. Yes, absolutely. And I can't believe it, Marissa, this is our ninth episode. We are almost Nine. done. We are, we are almost at the finish line. We are sprinting towards the midterms. And I have to say, I would be remiss if I didn't say, everyone out there, if you haven't done anything at this point to help crush the midterms, I, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. I'm not mad. But it's not too late. There's still time. There's, there's still a, time. There's actually a lot of time. Like in, you know how like you watch a whole football game and like, I don't know, really know football. So I may be kind of talking out of my ass here, but you watch a whole football game and it goes like relatively fast. And then you get to the last two minutes of the game and somehow it lasts an hour. Cause like yes. you're stopping, you're starting. That, that, that happens, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, it does. It does. We're at that point in the game, like the last weekend and the Monday and the day of are so important. And chock full of action so you should get in on it yep this is the last weekend you can still canvas you can still volunteer and then like like you said marissa day of you can get people to the polls you can call friends and family and remind them to vote so it's not too late to do something so your call to action this week is do something with these last precious five days and then of course to vote because that is what this is all about is getting out there and getting your voice heard Yes. So go to crushthemidterms.org, make your last weekend plan, find your polling place, just get it together. It's really easy and it couldn't possibly be more important. Yep. And then Hellbent, our, our, my other podcast, has actually teamed up with Swing Left. So if you go to swingleft.org slash Hellbent, you can get, you can get uh, connected with a, a volunteer opportunity near you. So there's lots of ways to get involved in this last few days. No so, excuses. No excuses. No excuses. Well, Marissa, I think that is it for us. Um, I have enjoyed, we have one episode left, but I've enjoyed doing this so much with you. So much. I know. So We're going to have one more episode for everyone. Um, I think probably drop in right before election day something like yep. that yep that's uh, so look out for it um and just we're almost at the end you guys it's gonna be okay right. we're almost <laughs> done so for the last time remember to join us next week for an one last topic and all the ways that we were able to crush the midterms